WHIVLP New Orleans 102.3. This is Good Morning Comrade. Uh, we have a full house today. We have Jeff, Scott, and Robert on the show. What's going on, folks? I'm kind of upset. Why? Because uh, I've spent all of this time and energy trying not to find out who Jimmy Dory is, and I feel like I'm running out of road. <laughs> I got sucked. Well, I got sucked back into Jimmy Dore just because uh, I can't play cyberpunk. Well, I can't play cyberpunk. It's just terrible. Uh huh. So it's like, what am I going to do with my time? Oh, let's get into meaningless internet beasts, yeah. which don't move the football at all. Perfect. Yeah, well, good news for Scott. Where we're going, we're not going to need roads because uh, we have we have three guests today. Uh, first, we have uh, all returning guests as well. We have uh, Ben Uterschen, uh, who is the host of Red Diaper Babies. That's right. We also have returning champion uh, uh, Benny. How, how do you see your last name? Halevi. Halevi's my uh, my uh, middle name that I use for public purposes. Oh, okay, my bad. Yeah, and so I I just caught it. I just entered it into the chat just a second too late. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> and then we also have uh, returning champion Ben Burgess for his third appearance. Uh, he is the host of Give Them an Argument. Uh, check out that YouTube channel. Check him out on all the stuff. Uh, he also has a book uh, that is out. Uh, give called give them an argument the same name and he's got an upcoming book called canceling comedians while the world burns what's up ben not too much mm-hmm. um I, I was just sitting here trying to remember when i found out who jimmy Dore was and, and what bad decisions led up to my knowing that <laughs> <laughs> yeah and yeah speaking of canceling comedians uh while ah. the word burn while the world burns no uh, I've, I've, i think i've actually officially come around now i think you should cancel all of them all of oh, them <laughs> Uh, ben, exactly. you're actually you're actually barking right up my uh, tree because uh, I saw a live stand-up show because I used to work at a theater, and it was so bad that I decided I would not ever watch stand-up comedy again. <laughs> and then what happened? One of those guys that you just saw got you off of stand-up forever. He just yeah, got like yeah. a Netflix special. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like uh, from the uh, I guess he's from like the uh, the bro code uh, like uh, oh, le- yeah. lineage of comedians. Mm. The highest quality. Yeah, yeah, you know, MTV2, you know, where they keep the real comedy. I'm sure, Jeff, you probably want to, like, explain who Jimmy Dore is yeah. for people who are not on Please, the internet all the time. As, but... could, as long as we can push this off. like All right, who's like, Jim- just, oh, oh, yeah. Okay, so who wants to take it? Who's Jimmy Dore? Ben, you want to take it, Burgess? Uh, sure. Jimmy Dore used to be a comedian. Uh, oh. And, you know. Awful. I- Bad start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, look, I mean, sometimes they turn out well um, and, you know, and, and you get your Sam Cedars, your, your David Feldman's and, and sometimes something goes wrong. Uh, and uh, and he became, a, you know, he became like a lefty YouTube, you know, media guy, uh, you know, very, like very successful, very, you know, very big audience. I kind of think of him like in, in, a, in a weird way, he's, he's kind of like the... Um, He's like the social democratic left's version of like uh, like the character that Lewis Black used to play on The Daily Show. Right. 
Mm, yeah. Okay. Like he just, but he it's just not a rant. character. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, like, I, yeah, mm-hmm. like, like, but he just does that all the time, you know. That, mm-hmm. that like, he, like, he, he just. Uh, but Black is Lewis Black is like entertaining, and Jimmy Dore's not. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I guess that's probably a matter of taste, but, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, like he, uh, you know, he he kind of performatively gets very angry about things, and and I guess it is worth. Um, I mean, look, I will say the first time I ever heard this guy's name, it was probably because. Uh, you know, Michael Brooks was playing the video of, of him defending Tulsi Gabbard's ties to the BJP by saying, uh, why am I supposed to give a bleep about uh, about India? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so that's that's kind of my impression of him. But uh, and obviously, I think he's very importantly wrong about what we're about to talk about. But I guess I should say, to be fair, like why I think it is worth taking a beat to be like, OK, like why does why does what this guy is selling like resonate with as many people as it does like what's like what's what, what's the appeal and and i think that maybe the answer part of that answer is is that a lot of the the sort of angry ranting is about stuff that you know one should angrily rant about you know like 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 how terrible and evil the american healthcare system is and so i think a lot of people see him getting upset about the right things about things that you know most people are way too numb to and and uh and they they respond to that for a reason right i think mm-hmm. i think i think that's like worth respecting even if in this case which i'm sure you're about to get into i think that the anger is being channeled in a really counterproductive direction yes and and just to kind of get into the specifics of that counterproductive direction for this case uh he recently <laughs> did a video where he said that the that specifically progressives like AOC should put a he outlined a Medicare for all strategy where they would sort of refuse to vote for um, Nancy Pelosi to be Speaker of the House again uh, unless uh, unless she would guarantee a floor vote for Medicare for all is that is that about accurate Did that yeah no that's exactly right so mm-hmm. like i think the thing that people the thing that that door defenders will always point out is that originally it wasn't about aoc mm-hmm. he mentioned like mark pocan who's like uh, one of the chairs or vice chairs of the progressive caucus in the house uh and then uh justin uh, jackson that the, the um, running back for the uh, the la chargers uh entered into the conversation and said hey aoc why don't you do what jimmy door is saying and she explained her reasoning for for not thinking you know for not going along with it and then since then uh jimmy has been ranting non-stop about how uh aoc is an effing sellout and you know things of this nature mm-hmm. uh so i i guess to my to my mind there there are two issues here which are, are worth keeping separate which uh one of them is the actual merits of Dora's strategy which i don't really think makes sense but also, lots of people who I have infinitely more respect for than I have for Jimmy Dore have signed on to it, you know, so, so yeah. they, you know, they yeah. see something there and it's, it's, it's worth thinking about why, you know, it's, it's worth thinking about why this might seem appealing, even if like, like me, you don't really think it makes sense. And then the other one is his way of pushing the strategy, which like, honestly, that's where I just completely lose all sympathy for it because, um, I mean, I don't think, you know, I don't think Jimmy Dore, I think Jimmy Dore is just somebody who's, who has this like very angry shtick and, you know, on on YouTube and it's very poorly targeted. I don't think he's actually working for the FBI, but like if he was working for the FBI, I don't know how the result would be different. Like like doing this, 
you know, doing this, <laughs> this way of like, just, just pouring all this toxic bile and getting his huge audience to, to hate the few people who are actually like solid social Democrats, in the house of representatives that, you know, like this, this tiny little fledgling, you know, socialist, you know, informal opposition caucus within the democratic caucus that I understand his strategy. If it worked the way he thinks it would, we can talk about why I don't think it would, but mm -hmm. if he worked the way he thinks it would, it's supposed to drive a wedge between that like Bernie Crad opposition and the mainstream of the democratic party, which could be good. But in practice, it seems to me that what he's doing is driving this wedge between that Bernie Craddock, you know, opposition and like people at the grassroots who listen to Jimmy Dore. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I will admit I might be the person who has been the most immersed in the Jimmy Dore world out of oh. everyone. Are you, because, you brushed up on the Jimmy Dore canon? I mean, I not not recent canon, but I was there kind of at the beginning. Okay. Yeah, same um, here. Same here. Yeah, you yeah. knew the you knew the, the, the I, lore I knew it, of Jimmy Dore. I knew. Oh, the door lore. You know the, the all door lore. lore. Oh I am gosh. a I, the allure of the door lore is all around me. <laughs> you stepped and, through the Jimmy well, Dore. It was actually because he used to have a um, comedy podcast. This was like in 2009, 2008. Actually, I think it was like 2008. Because mm -hmm. I remember listening to it when Obama, like when Obama was uh, running. Mm -hmm. um, and there were already some signs in retrospect that were like, this guy's just like, like, I get it. He's He might have like some correct points but like you can tell sort of some like instincts like he went real hard on the 9-11 truth or stuff not that asking questions is bad you know whatever but um i just listened to it because he had a a show with this comic that i really like todd at glass who's mm. really funny guy um but i just you know so he's like been around for a while but it definitely there's always kind of been a sort of thing with him as a media personality. And I think it's a thing that exists across a lot of left media, a lot of right-wing right media, sort of the, maybe even something sort of centrist-y um, that's just kind of like anti-establishment, not very philosophically, you know, driven in a certain way, not even very in a way it's it's almost it's less ideological than like a more coherent political program would have but sort of very much sort of anti-establishment and very you know emotionally driven and i think for a lot of people that's a cathartic experience and that's why that's sort of a way that he has garnered a following um but also i think it's not maybe the best place to get your political strategy from. Look, mm -hmm. I, I really think that the high watermark of his political career is when he spit in Alex Jones's face. <laughs> and then like, right. Yeah, when he was the wave crested back. Yeah, like yeah. after that, the wave rescinded. Like this yeah. guy is nothing but, he's nothing but like a cavalcade of just bad take after bad take. He's a guy who like backed Bolsonaro. He's a guy who like- Wait, What? Yeah, he yeah. was like, he was, he was like totally like, oh yeah, Bolsonaro is great. Yeah, so 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 to be to be yeah. totally fair, I I don't think he was exactly. I know what you're talking about, right? The Lavajato movement. Yeah, I don't think oh. he was exactly backing Bolsonaro. I, I think that he just like runs off his mouth about things he hasn't done basic research right. about, uh, mm. which is a problem in itself. But he mm. uh, but there was because there's a clip 
that was played, uh, I think, several times on, uh, on TMBS, uh, as you might imagine, uh, of... Yeah. Of, uh, yeah, somebody of who actually knows about about Lava Jato and Lula oh, yeah. and Bolsonaro. <laughs> yeah, yeah Dora's voice is just imprinted into my head and being like, "Wow, I want a Lava Jato T-shirt." <laughs> yeah, exactly. So his, his reaction to hearing about it was like, "Oh, anti-corruption. I don't need to hear right. anything more about this. That yeah. must be good." You know, yeah, which, right? Yeah. Which, which again kind of says something about Dora. That, he stopped uh, just that, short of calling him Bolsonaro. That's like, uh, <laughs> well, that's look, like, I mean, I mean, Dave Rubin and Jimmy Dore are both uh, ex-comedians who started out in TYT and, and, and then went in, you know, in their own directions after that. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, conclude from that what you will. But, you know, I think there is something. <laughs> there. I mean, yeah. but this guy, this guy bagged Tulsi Gabbard and all her terrible takes. This guy, this guy called Bernie Sanders a coward and a sellout for the simple reason that he wouldn't go on his show. Mm-hmm. It's just like he's so petty and so ridiculous, and I and like I he, agree with that. Anyone I, who doesn't go on my show is a coward. <laughs> I, I mean, this guy sounds like a pretty run-of-the-mill stand-up comedian to me. Yeah, that, honestly, yes. <laughs> he's he's with, just a he's just a bad take factory. He he's the same guy who's just like he, the same guy who thought that oh, well, Donald Trump getting elected, which I have to say, like I was a, kind of on that same train, but geez. obviously snapped out real quick. That he, that was going to be the um, that was going to be the accelerationist like engine, yeah. And we were all going to like be in the street and have like real revolution. It was like real revolution, like like uh, in the streets, guided by who? Like Jimmy Dore behind his like L.A. mansion. I don't, here, here's the thing about this guy. Here's the thing about this guy and people like him. And I will say this: this is this is my own idea. And I'm glad we have smart people like unlike myself on here tonight, so they can say <laughs> smart things after what I'm going to say. Here, here's the thing. So people like him who just like tilt at windmills and just howl, howl at the moon about how like people like AOC are supposed to do this and are supposed to do that and how there's going to be like real revolution when we get it, we hit bottom, which capitalism is never going to allow us to hit bottom. But these people are not going to do any of that. You know, it, if you want to take the people who, you know, in the game, parody, um, a joke, hashtag joking, if you want to take the people who are actually stopping us from getting Medicare for all and put them against the wall or put them under a guillotine, I am all for it. But <laughs> we are not. None of us are Parody. doing that. In a video Parody. game. In the video game. <laughs> the video game. <laughs> none of us are doing that. The lane we have all chosen is electoralism. So now this is the battlefield that we're playing on, and we can't get mad at people who are playing that game. You are listening to WHIVLP New Orleans 102.3. This is Good Morning Comrade. Uh, we have Ben Burgess, uh, Ben Halavi, and also Ben Yudishin on the show, along with uh, Jeff, Scott, and Robert. Yeah, oh. although although I also think that uh, part of the problem with the Jimmy Dore approach is that, like, oddly enough, even though he postures in this kind of ultra left way, I think that part of the problem with him is that his vision is completely really limited mm-hmm. uh, to uh, to electoralism, you know, because the thing, one of the things that keeps bothering me about this is that, you know, Door and everybody listens to Door, you know, has been saying like, oh, you know, so you're saying like, if you disagree that this man, he comes up, you know, that he came up with makes sense, right? Which, which like, just to real quickly, like run through that. Right. Like, so one of the advantages that he says it would have, uh, you know, forcing this vote on Medicare for all is that uh, he says, well, look, there are all these people who are co-sponsors of it in the house and they, uh, they would, um, 
and that we would see which of them really meant it and which of them, you know, which of them were just fake co-sponsors who are like doing it for progressive, you know, clout, uh, but wouldn't really vote for it if push mm. came to shove and we could expose them and, and then there would be primaries. And anyway, it's a pandemic and everybody needs health care. So if you force Democrats and centrist Republicans to vote against it, that would really show who is who. And and then, then, then people would be exposed to the wrath of the voters about all of which I just quickly said, like, OK, one, um, there is no reason why it would expose anybody. Mm. Uh, there are 118 people in the House who support Medicare for all. That's about one third. Um, and so those are the people who are currently co-sponsoring it. Uh, if you haven't co-sponsored it after all the years of that being pushed, you probably don't support it. Uh, and so if every single current co-sponsor voted for it, it would lose three to one in the house, Never mind the Senate, Never mind the presidential veto. Uh, so I think everybody would know that would be completely safe. It would be like when the Republicans voted hundreds of times to symbolically repeal Obamacare, uh, knowing that there was no chance it would happen. And then the second they were actually in a position to do it, it was like mm-hmm. the, that old far side cartoon with the dog who's finally caught the car, you know, that like, it's like, oh shit, now we have a chance to do something that like, yeah. could become like, what I got to do with this car. <laughs> yeah, there are actual uh-huh. stakes now. And so they couldn't hold together the coalition to vote mm-hmm. for symbolic bullshit. You know, sorry, it's I good. know we're on the radio. Uh, to, uh, to vote, uh, you know, to, to do that, it's the same thing. You know, it's like, sure, I'm sure some people are like, you know, insincere, but why would any of them, um, like, why wouldn't all of them vote for it, right? They know mm-hmm. it was totally safe. And here's an even better question. Why should we think that given that right now there's a three to one majority, you know, two to one majority against it, even in the house, uh, why should we think that flushing out fake co-sponsors is even the priority right now? Like, it seems like what we should probably, like, yes, a lot of those are soft yes votes who are susceptible to going the other way, but it seems like what we should be doing is trying to increase the number of soft yes votes uh, while also increasing, you know, the, the, the number of real hardcore yes votes, which is the most important thing. And then, and then like, also like this happens, this wouldn't really be that much of a, like, you know, they think that they say, Oh, it'd be this great spectacle. There would like really be this high profile way of fighting for it. But they, like we're talking about a one-day vote. They'd probably allow 15 minutes of debate, and right. then that would be that. For all and, the people who tune in a C-SPAN every day religiously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, those people would find out. Right, like, yeah, the only people who'd pay attention are the people who already know that there's a big divide in the Democratic Party about Medicare for all. And uh, it wouldn't even be, like, this wouldn't be a, like, this wouldn't even be a symbolic victory. It would be a symbolic defeat. Uh, and this idea that people who are... Um, that, you know, because people, you know, just to spell out that point, right, like you can point to these other examples, like, oh, the House vote for decriminalizing marijuana, whatever, that was like covered in this favorable way as the milestone. Yeah, that won the House. Mm-hmm. Or people will always bring up the all the things that the Tea Party forced by, you know, John Boehner to allow votes on. Yeah, you know what? All of those things, all of those repeals of Obamacare, they won the House, they won the Senate. You know, they were vetoed by Obama, but that's still a huge symbolic victory. This would be a massive symbolic defeat, Mm -hmm. which if you're doing political theater, seems like counterproductive theater. And then this idea that the voters are going to punish uh, people who vote against it. I I just don't understand how anybody who lived through 2020 believes that that's true, because, I mean, if you recall, the guy who won the Democratic nomination was the one who said he would veto Medicare for all. And not only did he win the Democratic nomination despite saying that, uh, even though all the exit polls showed most Democratic voters supported Medicare for all, 
Uh, but then like de the Democratic turnout in the general election was way up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the general election, Donald Trump kept accusing him of secretly supporting Medicare for all. And he kept angrily denying it. Uh, <laughs> so I'd say the evidence show and, and this was like. So those were the two candidates. That was the campaign was like strategy. The highest turnout election ever. So I would say that the evidence suggests that voters are not, in fact, going to punish people for, for anybody for it. Why aren't they going to punish anybody for it? They're not going to punish anybody for it because, yes, most voters, when asked by pollsters, say Medicare for all sounds good to them. It sounds nice. They think it's a good idea. But they clearly don't take it seriously enough as something with realistic short-term chances of happening to punish politicians who disagree because it seems too distant. It seems too fanciful. Obviously, our whole task is to change that, but I don't understand how having a, a two-to-one defeat in the House mm -hmm. is supposed to help voters take it more seriously as something that realistically might happen. If you yeah, can but it sure gets get your to, Patreon up. Well, but even if you yeah, can exactly. get to that point, and I think we should dispatch with Jimmy Dore, like we should be done with him at this point and continue the conversation on Medicare for all, if that's okay with y'all. Yeah, well, well, yeah, well, please well, do. Do well, something well, productive. Seriously. Okay. No, for, no, for sure. We, sh we, yeah. we should dispatch with Jimmy, but, but just one last thing about this. Mm -hmm. What I was going to say is that I think that, I was saying, I think that really ironically, the problem with Jimmy for all the ultra left posturing mm -hmm. is that his vision is completely limited to electoralism because you know, when all the people who've been trained by him to say, oh, and look, I just saw on Twitter, you know, tonight, just before we recorded this, you know, somebody's like keeping like a list that they put in like a yes. Excel oh my gosh. spreadsheet. And, you know, and They're like naming on names Twitter. now? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That one guy who's like, uh, he just named like basically every like popular leftist type person was like, right. these are the people we need to get out of here. So get awesome. So yeah, let, that's really good. So let's bring up grassroots candidates. Let's uh, let's bust our butts to get them elected and then let's shiv them from the left. That, that, that's, that's just such a good plan. I love it. Yeah, not even from yeah, the so, so like people and on yeah. this list, right? You know, which I mean, I'm on, although I was offended because they misspelled my name, but whatever. Uh, uh, the, uh, uh, but the list of, of people who have committed the sin of disagreeing with, with the door plan about this says people who want to do nothing. And that's all, that's how it's all presented that the op, that either you agree with, with, with Jimmy Doris thing or you think that we shouldn't do anything to advance Medicare for all. Like Brianna Joy Gray, who don't get me wrong, is worth a thousand Jimmy Doors. I think she's very <laughs> wrong about this, uh, is uh, like in all of her presentations about this, like on, on her podcast that she does with Virgil Texas, Bad Faith, she mm -hmm. keeps presenting this as, uh, oh, so you know, you're, you're saying this isn't the right time to push for Medicare for all, you know, when is the right time? And so it's the same thing. It's, oh, do you want to do this thing or do you want to do nothing, right? Do you want to do this thing or are you saying it's not the right time to push for Medicare for all? And what's completely erased from that picture is all of the actual activists and organizers outside of the electoral arena who do nothing all day, every day, but mm -hmm. eat, sleep, leave, live, breathe, and shit Medicare for all. I mean, like, you mm -hmm. know, people who work for the National Nurses United, you know, people in, you know, DSA working groups, you know, like all of these people... Uh, people who who did the successful initiative in, in Idaho, which is like a deep red state, uh, to do Medicaid expansion there. And yes, also the people who are doing electoral things like all of those efforts that led to electing AOC to Congress in the first place, that led to electing, you know, like the fact that we have 118 people in Congress who at least are willing to say that they support Medicare for all. These all seem like if you 
like these all seem like things that are, are in fact actually being done that are useful to promote Medicare for all. And so I, I just I just keep imagining telling like some staffer who works for the nurses union, you know, whose whose entire jobs promote Medicare for all that, you know, oh, um, do you, you know, do you, do you support what Jimmy Dore is, is, is doing? And I'm sure her, her answer would be, who's Jimmy Dore? Uh, say, oh, well, you don't, you don't support it? Because like, oh, so, so are you saying that we shouldn't be doing anything? To Another sellout. Well? You don't think we should be supporting the doctor? Yeah. Well, that. Um, so that, Go ahead, uh, Benny. Oh, yeah. I had a question for, uh, for Ben Burgess right now, where as we're transitioning uh, toward the not Jimmy Dore uh, topics. <laughs> I thought this might be a might be a good good space to to insert it, which is basically there are some uh, some parallels between uh, an argument that uh, that you made a few months ago, uh, Ben, about the idea of the Overton window and yeah. prison abolition. Yeah, um, it strikes me that uh, the strategy that you criticized there uh, is a bit similar. Or the strategy specifically about uh, prison abolition is has, has some parallels with this. Uh, strategy we're disagreeing with about Medicare for all. Um, I feel like it's also a little bit different, and I was wondering if you had any thoughts about like the how how this is a similar sort of uh, error, or and, and how it's perhaps a different. Yeah, story. yeah. So so just to recap real quick, um, like what that article was about was basically criticizing the whole idea that there is this thing called an Overton window, and that it that that sh trying to shift that window is a political strategy. That I think that maybe some of the things that people mean like by that might be true, but um, I think the thing that the original guy who came up with it meant by it, Joseph Overton, and the thing that most people seem to mean by it, uh, I don't think really makes sense, uh, which is the idea that we can somehow advance our political goals um, by using sufficiently extreme rhetoric that that somehow like does some weird like rhetorical jujitsu to, to, to get people to to agree with more moderate versions is the thing that we want. That yeah, like the, the that, that's like the Alinsky strategy, right? In a uh, lot of ways. Yeah, in some ways, yeah. So, mm. uh, yeah, like, yeah, right. Something I have in common with with Bill O'Reilly is we both really hate Saul Alinsky, but maybe for different reasons. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, right. I mean, in the the Alinsky case. I, I mean, the good thing about the Alinsky strategy, like the thing that makes the Alinsky stuff as many problems as I have with it, way better. Than this Overton window shifting thing, or and also way better than the Jimmy Dore stuff, is that at least with Alinskyism, it's about like actual like activism and organizing, you know, mm -hmm. with within you know within communities where you're like logging off and 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 you're doing things like, uh, you know, you're doing things like speaking at city council meetings or something, which is at least like vastly more useful. Uh, I, I mean, my, my problem in the Alinsky case maybe is that it's about like, I think that I think that one, it's about like really teaching people to focus on these super duper small scale things and the idea is that somehow it's going to someday level up mm -hmm. into like big national things. And I don't really buy that. And and two, that it's uh, it's very much about like um about like identifying like individual bad actors as like the target of the organizing, which I think, you know, I think could have some tactical merit maybe, but I also worry about it because as a, you know, as an old fashioned, you know, unreconstructed Marxist, I kind of think that like we should care about large, like 
that we should be training people to think less about individual personalities and more about institutions and, and social structures. Uh, mm -hmm. So that that would be my, my problem with the Alinsky thing, but the Overton thing, uh, it's uh, like yeah. So you, you mentioned prison abolition or uh, police abolition, and this this is a this would be an example of it. People saying, uh, and this is like a weirdly mainstream idea at this point. Like there was an article in Vox saying this that you know even if you don't think that uh, that we could get all the way to to police abolition, you should speak that language because it right. it shifts the Overton window in ways that somehow make like more grounded forms of police reform more likely and i and I, mm. I think that's just one of those things that like the more you think about it the less sense it makes you know it's like why would it be that if like 10 percent of the population are um are, are saying things that sound completely insane to most people why would that mean like why would that make people more likely to believe the milder versions of those things I, never mind fight my pushback them? on that is though but because it scares people um well, because i yeah. think that 10 percent like if you take the British wanted to, I say this all the time, like yeah. you hear me all these rants. The British wanted to um, negotiate with Gandhi yeah. because they were tired of Hindu radicals like blowing stuff up. The, the, the United States government wanted to negotiate with Martin Luther King because they were afraid of Malcolm X. So that's like, I agree with you, but I think there is. Well, they, I, I think the, the, diff the difference between what you're describing and I think what, uh, what yeah. they're describing is that uh, the, 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 Radical independence fighters were literally blowing things up. It wasn't an exactly. argument okay. in the same way. I think that's, that's I think that's exactly the that's a, yeah. That and, and, the, and as far as I understand, the way that uh, people have spoken about the Overton window uh, for as long as, as I've uh, understood it, uh, it's really just about the conversation uh, being changed. Yeah, yeah. I exactly. mean, when like like I remember Overton, I know was a neoliberal. Yeah. uh think tank guy if i remember correctly yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, but and he was i don't i think he was talking about his imaginary idea of rhetoric i don't think he as far, as far as i remember i don't think he was saying oh when we uh when we cr engineer poverty more poverty in america that's what's shifting the overton window yeah i think he was trying to talk about rhetoric if uh if I'm... you were listening to whiv lp new orleans 102.3 this is good morning comrade uh we have ben burgess uh Ben Halavi and also Ben Yudishin on the show, along with uh, Jeff, Scott, and Robert. Yeah, no, that's right. So, so Joseph Overton worked for a libertarian think tank in uh, Northern Michigan called the Mackinac uh, Center, Mackinac Institute, one of those. Uh, and um, and this, he came up with this this window of political possibility uh, that as a way, as part of a brochure for potential donors there, where they got to uh, like it was a gimmicky thing where there was a there's like a little slide rule with like different <laughs> policies on it uh, and like a literal window in it. So it's like going from the most, you know, statist to the most libertarian to say, and, and it's like, so by moving this along, you know, like this is how like your money is going to good uses at think tanks, because by advocating like more extreme mm. libertarian ideas, Will make it more likely that at least the more moderate ones, you know, will work. And this idea has become incredibly. It's like a marketing plan, isn't it? Yeah, oh, it's totally marketing plan. <laughs> and uh, I mean, and, but 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 I think maybe to connect it back to the, the original conversation. I mean, I think the problem uh, that that uh, that Benny identified with the um, like the distinction between the Indian independence case, and the Overton case, right? Or like you mm -hmm. can even do like a more like mundane version. Like, you know, because because sometimes I think when people say this, they think that it's like, oh, this is like a bargaining process, right? We say we want, you know, 10 and then maybe we get three at the end. So That's my thoughts. Exactly. Please correct me. 
Yeah, so, so that, that makes sense, right? I think there are lots of contexts in which that makes perfect sense. The problem is that in a, like a literal bargaining situation, like a union and a boss uh, at, at a workplace, then you've got a or else, right? The or else, you know, that, you know, you say, yeah, we want 10 and you better give us something. Maybe it won't be 10, but you better get us something or like we'll go out on strike and you'll mm-hmm. lose a bunch of money, mm-hmm. right? Like that, that, you know, and that that has actual leverage because there's something you can do to materially hurt people. It's like in the Indian case, right? You know, there's somebody on the other end ready to actually blow things yeah. up. Uh, whereas just sort of using a bunch of rhetoric like that, like if it scares people, then it's as likely as not to just scare them into the arms of the right. You know, I mean, like that's certainly historically, I mean, it's kind of how Nixon got elected. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that, you know, there's, there's no, I think what the problem that I would see with the Overton window, and, and to be clear, I'm not saying we shouldn't advocate super radical policies. I, I clearly think we should. I just think that like, we shouldn't think that we're playing some sort of weird rhetorical game or doing some sort of like, weird rhetorical equivalent of a bargaining process because I don't think that's how it works. I don't think there is a rhetorical equivalent of a bargaining process. I think we should just advocate what we want to convince people so we can build a movement to achieve the things that we want. Uh, but there's no there's no way in which our sort of rhetorically latching on to more extreme ideas, I think makes, uh, makes the less extreme ones more likely to happen. And I think the problem with that is very similar to the problem with the door stuff because this whole idea that, you know, that it, it's, oh, this is like doing something. Well, what's the doing something? What's the something that's being done? The something that's being done uh, is like going on YouTube and yelling at your political allies. Like that, that, that there's no actual something there. But the, the idea is that somehow just with the force of our commitment and our, our like having fiery rhetoric to express that commitment, that somehow that will change something. And, and it, it just doesn't. I mean, that's just not how politics works. I think if you want to, you know, I mean, I think that if I'm not advocating, certainly not on the radio, that we start blowing things up, but, you know, like if, if you want. <laughs> video uh, games. In this video game. In Grand Theft Auto Five. You know, Cyberpunk 2027. But, but you got to have something that mm-hmm. can actually accomplish something. And I, and I think like the sort of, old-fashioned socialist answer to that that still makes sense to me is that you know organizing uh workers uh at the at the at the point of production you know does it although you know whatever i mean i think like electoral things that are in the in the offing like you know look what's the reason we don't have medicare for all the reason we don't have medicare for all isn't that aoc doesn't want it enough the reason we don't have (laughs) that's so individualist too like it's 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 actually a very like uh like a very romantic notion you know what i mean meet me at the barricade yeah Yeah. because because if that yeah because it's all about whether like the the knight you know is 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 pure and is hard or 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 he's been tempted you know by by washington dc like it's, you know, it's like, no, the reason we don't have Medicare for all is because the insurance industry is incredibly politically powerful and, and the establishments of both parties are aligned with it. And we don't have, um, you know, we don't like, we don't have nearly enough people in the right elected office who support it to come anywhere close to winning a vote. And we don't have a powerful enough grassroots movement to effectively pressure the actual fence sitters into voting the right way, you know, if that came to it and overcome, you know, inevitable ruling class resistance. And like, None of this, none of this stuff does anything about that situation. I mean, if, if, if these people did get, you know, and, and, and by the way, I, I have to say, uh, like, you know, Brianna Joy Gray's article, you know, su- supporting this, you know, she, 
she was listing these ways in which this could be like a good, you know, good political theater or really grab people's attention or not be ignored. And she was like, well, if it could be coordinated with the kind of protests that we saw last summer after George Floyd, or if, you know, if labor organizers, you know, did a general strike at the same time, then it would be very effective. I'm like, yeah, I mean, it, it would be, but that's a little bit like saying that if, <laughs> If the uh, if the six of us you know went down to city hall and waved around signs that that nobody could ignore it if we coordinated with you know the the Chinese army to launch a missile strike at city hall at the same time you know it's like it's like yeah like working if on that it. second part could actually happen we'd be in a completely different situation but like really you think that the most unprecedented mass protest wave in like fifty years or something that you can just call that into existence. Like if in, that you could yeah. i mean i wish yeah. it was that easy yeah um, you could have a, a general strike in a country with 6.2 percent private sector unionization in a, in a country where most people are terrified uh, that if uh, that if they you know if they lose their jobs they'll lose their health insurance which is part of the problem in the first mm -hmm. place yeah and, and and again this is my whole like problem with the 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 approach is it it doesn't there's no not even national nurses united uh, has come out and they're the main union that's pushing uh, a Medicare for all campaign. Uh, they're not the only one as far as I know, but, but they're the, they're the one that's been the ones that have been leading it the most uh, organizations like, like democratic social of America have not organ like had any kind of a public statement in, in favor of this. There's no, a uh, group of legislators that would be actually involved in making this decision that have had any stance on it, not even an individual, not even AOC. Like, like the fact that, that, I mean, like to even say that we could, they, they could get a floor vote out of this seems like it's way um, optimistic, <laughs> you know, like, like, like you could just be, Oh, we don't need your stinking, you know, vote AOC, you know, we'll, Nancy Pelosi speaker anyway, who cares? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and to be clear, I, I guess I should also say like, so, all right. So obviously I think like Jimmy Dore and Brianna are great. All these people are wrong for reasons we've been talking about. And, but like, also the things that, that AOC was saying in response, you know, I, I don't think are super convincing either, you know, which, which, which are that, um, oh, that there are these negotiations going on with the Progressive Caucus and Pelosi and here are some, they'll get some, you know, things in terms of- Lincoln squat. Or, you know, it all see, it's all pretty thin gruel, right? Like, I, I, don't, I don't think it's wrong to point that out. And in fact, I think it's even fine to criticize AOC and the others for like having like, a conception of them a little bit too much of themselves a little bit too much as like junior partners in some sort of coalition with with mainstream democrats mm -hmm. which you know I, I think is yeah i mean i don't think that's super like one of the things i said in the jackman article about all this uh is that i do think like if you were just gonna um if they were gonna withhold their votes for aoc not as part of some sort of weird bargaining strategy to to bring about something that wouldn't even be a symbolic anything you know wouldn't even be wouldn't even be good theater if anything it would be political theater that would look bad for us like but if they were just going to withdraw their votes not for that but just because pelosi sucks and you shouldn't vote for her uh then then i think that like might have some value in in like clarifying yeah, for at least it's an ethos <laughs> <laughs> look mm -hmm. you can have your overton windows but i have my don draper screen door and don draper 316 says if you don't like the answer 
change the conversation. <laughs> that is a Roddy Piper. That is a Roddy Piper line, and you know it. Ridiculous. No, that's Don Draper. He said it in the '60s. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't remember that. I mean, I watched all Mad Men. I don't remember that line, but it certainly sounds like something he might have said. Scott like is our, our house authority on Mad That's Man. like his big, like, he says that all the time. That's like, whenever he's like in the deal, he's got to like, wow, some rube from like, like Pittsburgh or something. He just drops it on him. Ooh, take that Pittsburgh. <laughs> like, you're like, wow, good one. <laughs> but yeah, but, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a better plan than like, Going in with Jimmy Dore and and doing some kind of Doom Pelinor Fields type cavalry charge on the on the floor of the house and just getting immediately voted down and just burning up your um, political capital for nothing. Okay, yeah, here, uh, here is the. Oh, sorry, yeah, sorry. sorry. Please, yeah, it's good. Uh, is the is the new prediction going to be that uh, Jimmy Dore is going to be the new uh, uh, Infowars guy? <laughs> He 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 was on that Hillary Clinton has Parkinson's like well, he's like a left he's he's a Seth Rich guy you know what I mean he maybe he was trying to like make out with Alex Jones maybe that wasn't like, a, like maybe like a, he's trying to like present himself as a rival or something like he's that trying to he's trying to claim dominance assert dominance by spitting in another man's face whoa I do that um, every day at work yeah there you go <laughs> with my four year olds you've got to assert dominance yeah yeah as as much as I was like joking about it in seriousness. If they did commit to, we're going to do essentially yeah. pro wrestling promos about how Nancy yeah. Pelosi sucks and she's going down every day on C-SPAN. That would rule. Yeah. That, that would. Rule. And uh, it would. Funny thing is, uh, you know, I, I, I don't even necessarily think the same folks who are who are upset that they're not pressuring them about Medicare for all would even be that thrilled by that. Um, it but, wouldn't be good and, enough. And it was, yeah, and it's a strange way where I feel like it's like we all want to see them do the pro wrestling promos on yeah, C-SPAN, yeah, yeah. but uh, some people not just the promos, not... buddy. I want them swinging I mean, chairs. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to see Rand. I want to see Rand Paul get hit with a candlestick. <laughs> <stick. laughs> Honestly, yeah. But no, so this is this is not a. I think I was the pro wrestling ahead, analogies are, are good, uh, right? Because because this yeah. is because uh, anything that you're talking about here, and actually this is one of the things I object to about all this that like. It's something that would like at best be theater that's being talked about. Yeah. Would actually do something to advance Medicare for all. I'm not against doing political theater, but just like be clear on what you're doing. And then like, all right, if we're going to do political theater, let's, let's try to figure out what the best political theater we could do is. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, you know, saying like putting, putting ourselves in a position where I say, Oh, well, you know, look, you got your, you know, you got your half hour on C-SPAN. That's what you wanted, right? Congratulations. And like, yeah. now we can have like the, uh, there'll be this new talking point about how, you know, why are they continuing to, you know, to talk uh, these crazy radicals? Why are they continuing to talk about this when we just proved that it's a total non-starter, you know, even uh, even the Democratic Party, like it, it just, I mean, I don't think that would necessarily be a big problem. I don't think it would be a big setback. I think it would be a mild setback, but mm-hmm. I, I don't, I just don't see, it seems like there's a mild downside mm-hmm. and no real upside. Yeah, and like, if you're going to do symbolic yeah. theater, then just like why combine it with this like empty parliamentary thing that doesn't really do anything. Like just do theater, just do like, yeah. a, I mean, my, my, do those like, wrestling my, you know, pre- pre- press conferences, uh, do a, do a sit down on the house floor. Like, like the, like the Democrats did about gun control, you know, do uh, yeah. like, you know, like, yes. like there are like, you could like, sure. If you want to say, look, uh, what what AOC should be doing right now is she should have like a two year plan for like 
constant theatrical gestures to like somehow confront Nancy Pelosi about Medicare mm. for all, then yeah, I mean, I'm all in favor of that. I, 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 but even then, like, I, I think that should happen, but I, I just think like treating it as if that would like do that much to advance Medicare for all, I think is, is, is kind of a mistake. I mean, I think it's, I think that the reason that we don't have things like this is because we don't have like any kind of, you know, like we barely even have unions left in this country. Yeah. You know? like, 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 like there's nothing that would be like an actual movement on the ground that could seriously achieve these things. And maybe forms of political theater can be useful a little bit in like publicizing the yeah. creation of the movement, yes. but well, that's all it would be. Yeah, you got to have the muscle, and, and and without unions on board, and like NNU is one, and if they they're not even signed on the strategy, if they were, it would be mm. hugely different. If we can get any other ones, and if we can we can get you know. If, for example, like, I don't want to name any in particular because I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to like, you know, but if, if, if another union comes on, so much the better, you know, like, and, and essentially we could, that that is what organizing is. And that could be another sort of like give and take strategy that would also get people like, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of my experience, like, 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 there's not always clear campaigns that members are can plug into for a union and this is a perfect one that that, that they could sign on to right now it's not there it's got to be built and it's not going to build itself it needs to happen from i mean like adolph reed's always talking about how he's uh, done medicare for all for in in south carolina for how long you know that that's the kind of things that we need to be doing everywhere yeah, yeah, and Adolf Reed, like he's got this great, like I love his analogy about the, um, was it that like uh, Soviet commander in World War II? I never remember the guy's name mm -hmm. who uh, had like held out, like during the uh, the siege of Stalingrad. There was like this like one particular, like city block that he he was holding out and defending against the Nazis for like four months or something insane like that. Mm -hmm. and, and and he's and uh he he brought this up because like when he was campaigning for Bernie in 2016, there would be all these like young Bernie volunteers. He kind of said, Oh yeah, the kind of people who like wanted to like rush out and get like a Bernie 2016 tattoo, you know, mm -hmm. and who would uh who who would be like you could really tell they would like emotionally live and die with like what what's going on in Iowa, you know, what like what Hillary is doing. Mm -hmm. And he'd be like, Look, be like this like Red Army, sorry, you know, commander. Like, do you think that he was like, you know, looking at maps and seeing what was going on in the Western Front, and you know that like he was all, <laughs> like, you know, emotionally vent? No, he he had like, you know, he had his block to defend, and he just did that every day. You know, right. like that's kind of the the attitude that you that you have to have. You know that that it's that uh, it's an incredibly arduous, long, difficult thing to to build a movement in real life that could actually achieve anything. It ain't but sexy. You just have to do it. It is not sexy. No. Uh, you're listening to WHIV LP New Orleans 102.3. Uh, it's Good Morning Comrade. Uh, we have a bevy of guests today. We have uh, three guys named Ben. Uh, ben Yudishin, mm -hmm. Ben uh, Halavi, and also Ben Burgess all joining us. And we also have Jeff, uh, Scott, and Robert on the show. Full house today. Hey, uh, what's up? I said hi. Hey. Uh, yeah, we're talking about uh, Medicare for All strategy and... Uh, uh, approaches that could work for here. I think we could maybe 
wrap that up. And I did want to talk to you because like right before here, you had a fantastic interview with uh, Slava Zizek that was airing tonight. And I just wanted to maybe talk about one of the interesting things that you were kind of going on about, if that's okay, if, if we move on, unless there's something else that you wanted to hit on in a minute. Carol Answer Crawford. me these Ben's three. <laughs> Oops, all Ben's. Um, yeah. uh, but anyway, uh, there was a lot of talk, and maybe this is, could be... Uh, a, a little bit about how this goes, and maybe this can sort of wrap into um, into this discussion. Y'all were, G-Jack brought up a really interesting idea of like the sort of uh, personal like like safety component, especially when it comes to like organizing in colleges and things like that. And and mm. like obviously, like in a very strong material sense, like if you can't, if you don't feel safe, if you're not safe. Uh, enough to you don't feel safe enough to do um something beyond what it takes to survive obviously you can't do that but i mean there is sort of a kind of runaway component and you're writing about this in your book as well uh canceling committing as the world burns do you want to maybe kind of talk about that a little bit uh burgess uh yeah, so so I, I'm sorry. Can, can you ask that in a different way? Like, what was the? Uh, I feel like I missed the um, the the kind of. So there was just... a component of uh, that you were discussing with that that talks about this idea of like, like 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 you would have to have like personal safety. It's almost like I don't want to like put a, a term that like um, like safe spaces or wherever are around yeah. it. But that that kind of does that is sort of like a. a a component that that there's almost like this purification it feels a little bit i hate i hate to keep doing this but it feels a little bit protestant to me um but there's almost like this this we have to have this self-purification sort of component to what we're doing oh um, yeah mm-hmm. like, like 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 you mean like on on the left as it exists right now yeah 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 i think that's right and this is something that uh actually the last part after uh last part of the episode after after Zizek left, you know, when I was talking to uh, Amber Frost, I think we got into a little bit more there, which is like why, yeah, like in a way, I mean, appropriately enough, you know, because of Zizek, you know, it's almost like psychoanalyzing, you know, the the left uh, that, like, why is it that we get we get sucked into this stuff? Like, why is it that like we're we're so eager to uh, to find reasons to to you know think that you know, to, uh, to castigate each other as sellouts and, you know, and, and, and all this stuff, um, and, and to kind of catch each other out in, um, in, in slight misbehavior. Um, and, and I think that there are, there are a few reasons for it. I mean, it's one of these things that's like, it wouldn't be so much of a problem if there, there were only one reason it was happening. It, it's, <laughs> it's, you know, it's a big problem because it's kind of a perfect storm of a lot of things. Uh, and I, like, I don't want to overstate this point because i don't think that it could all be reduced to this but i do think it's part of it that so many people on the left right now uh are even if they're they're downwardly mobile right they started out in or at least on a track to what's sometimes called the uh, professional managerial class um you know people who you know basically like you know whatever like 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 you know people like me certainly you know people um you know people who who went um you know, academics, lawyers, you know, people with various sorts of corporate bureaucracy, mm-hmm. sorts of jobs that, you know, you know, like a lot of very people rough... went to college. Yeah, very. Yeah, exactly. People whose people whose livelihoods are in some way linked to the fact that with the fact that they, they went to college, I think that's like a good sort of broad, like uh, thing. 
uh, and this is not an exact category. It's a it's a suggestive one, you know. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, but the, why am I bringing it up here? Because I think that people who get socialized into this, the values they get socialized into are very different from the kind that have historically served the left, which are values of of solidarity and and uh, and having each other's backs, uh, and. Instead, uh, people end up getting socialized into these values that are about like proving yourself, climbing up some kind of meritocratic ladder, and uh, very often as part of that, right, climbing past other people uh, by, by by showing how they're wrong and bad, and you know, reporting them to HR, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the like really in some ways that's the biggest difference uh, between the two approaches. Like think about if you're if you're a union organizer and and somebody who um, you know, somebody at the workplace is um, like, let's say it's like, it's not like, it's not bullshit. It's, it's like that they actually do, they actually do have some like really bad objectionable attitude, you know, that mm-hmm. they're, they're racist, they're whatever, right? Well, you know, I don't remember who first put it to me like this, but it, it's a really good way of putting it. Um, in that situation, you might beat them up in the parking lot, but the last thing you'd ever do is report them to the boss because that would undermine the whole project, you know, mm-hmm. what you're trying to build. Uh, whereas if you're coming out of that, you know, professional managerial class kind of mindset, you know, then the first thing that you do is report somebody to the boss because that's the way of exercising power that instinctively makes sense to you. Yeah. And I think that gets transferred onto the left. I think oftentimes people, it's often feels like this endless series of attempts to figure out who's, who's, who's managers who could report them. You know, yeah, to, uh, and, to... and and the boss just simply ca- it cannot and is not interested in justice of any in, of any kind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally right. Like, and, and you see this all the time. Like, uh, like campus activists who uh, who are used to, um, you know, who have learned. You know, Freddie DeBortal who writes about this. Who've who've learned to see like the administration as their allies because that's mm-hmm. that's the form of of power that makes sense to them. You know, that they they can get like administrative bureaucrats to like implement some policies that, that they'll like, you know, of course the administrators, and I mean, this comes out in some pretty horrible ways when you start thinking about like, you know, sexual assault and things mm-hmm. like that. The administrator's vested interest is not in fact in whatever the activists care about, you know, the administrator's vested interest is in PR management and mm-hmm. making themselves look good, which can sometimes coincide with what the activists want, but very often does not. Um, and then I think this brings us to the other big piece of the puzzle, which is why, like, you know, why is it, all right, so some of it is about, you know, is about this, this kind of uh, downward class mobility and how that plays out on the left, but there's also a bigger thing, I think, going on here, and why is it that we get this, this left that's so full of people who are so ready to, um, you know, to report, um, to, uh, you know, to find, some way of like you know of of snitching each other out or or castigating each other and, mm-hmm. you know all this stuff is really counter solidaristic behavior. Uh, again, it gets down to the, the idea that this is the only power you can imagine exercising is getting the existing authority structure to somehow intervene mm-hmm. on your behalf, and I think that's a very profound symptom of of prolonged powerlessness. You know that yeah. this this is the point that. Uh, you know, I love Noam Chomsky, you know, but this is, uh, but, uh, you know, and, and I think he's, you know, basically right about all the things that he writes about, but uh, this is the point friend Daniel Bester will make about what's missing, right, you know, in, in somebody like Chomsky, that there's, there's never a point where he's like, 
there's never a point anywhere in any of anything Noam Chomsky's ever written mm-hmm. where he starts saying, ooh, so what would happen if a socialist government came to power in the United States? How would we deal with this? Mm-hmm. And the reason that he's not asking that question is not you know anything that I think that reflects particularly badly on him. It's just that he's coming up at a time when that would have just seemed like such a fanciful question. You don't bother with it. You know, be like saying, "Oh, what's my you know what's my first hundred days going to be after I become emperor of the universe?" Yeah, you know, like it's it's silly, right? It's but totally academic problem, and moral. Yeah. Yeah, so the problem is that if you don't have any real aspirations to 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 building some sort of alternative power, uh, that you know you you have no could like you don't even you sort of start to disconnect politics from even thinking that you could achieve power and, and carry out your goals. There then is no alternative. Become, yeah, exactly. Capitalist realism. No, there you go. Totally right. And when that capitalist realism, you know, that's, that seeps into all of our bones, because it does, I mean, there's no avoiding it. Like you, it's, it's like saying that you, you know, that you can be, you know, like that you can just like walk, I don't know that, you know, that, that, uh, that you can go like the Shawshank, you know, where the guy has to like escape out of like the, uh, the sewage tunnel, you know, that, uh, that you can do that without any of the sewage getting on you. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. just going to happen. Like having a critique of it doesn't mean that it's not going to affect you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, if you don't really believe that there's an alternative, then politics just becomes a game of, of exhibiting your moral commitment and, 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 and showing yourself and showing other people how committed you are and testing other people's commitment, which ends up being, you know, like that, uh, you know, that, you know, that country song I was talking about with David Griskin at the end of the episode, the, uh, you know, Harper Valley PTA, you know, it's like, it's, it's like group of people like sitting mm. around, you know, examining each other's, you know, uh, you know, moral, moral flaws and, and it's awful. And who would want to be part of it? You know? Or, and, or, or yeah. even like, there's like a, uh, like, like, well, the real good judgment, like I always want to make a religious connection. It's like a thing that I do. And it's almost like, well, who will be the actual judge in this situation? It's God after we're dead, you know, but it's like the, yeah, no, totally. the, the post Nietzschean yeah. version of there. Like yes. we can't actually acknowledge that there is or isn't a God. No, that, I mean, that's the whole thing. <laughs> like, like, like what people would do, um, you know, I, I was, you know, look, you know, David Feldman, who I actually do like, you know, mm-hmm. like I was arguing with him, you know, to bring it all full circle, you know, about the Jimmy Dore stuff on, on his show mm-hmm. a few days ago. And he said, you know, don't you think like, you know, some, you know, like really profoundly important votes, you know, follow you and, and define you. I was like, yeah, but follow you how? Define you to who? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because because look, remember all of those assholes who voted for the Iraq war, they're still around. They haven't gone yeah. in you know, like, 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 they're, if anything, like a lot of those people are in more powerful positions. Yeah. One of them is president-elect. Yeah, yeah one of them is president-elect. being right get you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if the question is, like, are they going to heaven when they die? Then I agree. <laughs> no, right? You know, <laughs> like, I don't really think that's what politics should be about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we, we got to wrap it up, but uh, yeah, anything, uh, Ben Unishin, Benny, uh, Ben Burgess, all the Bens. Any, uh, Ben, you want to say anything on the way out, Unishin first? Uh, you might want to unmute, buddy. It was uh, nice to be here uh, and to have all these Bens. I'm sorry if I kind of went out there. My We got pho delivered, and I was just devouring it thank you uh, american seattle fun. yeah yeah thank you imperialism uh bringing us so <laughs> many people in the 80s to move here um thanks um uh and they've been here long longer than me so who, who am i to judge but um 
yeah but um yeah no i i this is great conversation and uh yeah i think it's like really important how um we remember sort of where the roots of our power actually comes from and mm. it doesn't it doesn't come from doing honestly it doesn't come from media like i feel like so much of this is about sort of how things are related to Except us for this show of in media well, <laughs> right of course right but no but that's yeah right like, I, yeah that is just a, like ever present to me like in this whole jimmy door thing and just more in general i think just a lot of the people who are sort of really hammering it on in this and it really emphasizes that power powerlessness so totally yeah i think that point about media i mean that's so that's so important you know that's like okay obviously it's what we all do and you know we like it and we think that it has value but like let's let's not get this mixed up like what this is is at best um education entertainment maybe inspiration um it's a little bit of a confessional for me honestly in a lot of ways yeah yeah i mean like i think there's something useful about the fact to make that, to be like, religious it again people, <laughs> it gives people a chance to think things through together it's certainly you know and, and maybe clarify some of what they yeah. think for when they go out and do things but it itself is not doing something mm -hmm. what we're doing right now is not doing politics it's talking about politics and it really seems like I, I think what I think what other you know Ben Yudish should said, I think that's really important that that's like that's the underlying thing behind this entire Jimmy Dore thing mm -hmm. is people not seeing that distinction. Mm. Yeah, yeah, Benny, what you got? Yeah, I just want to say, uh, Scott and Robert, uh, good to good to meet you for the first time after <laughs> listening to you and uh, Ben Burgess. I've been a been a fan since uh, even before TMBS uh, when you were doing the zero just the zero books video. Oh, yeah. So it's, uh, it's an honor to talk to you. Appreciate it. Yeah, Ben Burgess, thank you so much, man. Anything you want to say on the way out? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess I, <laughs> uh, I I just think of, I don't even remember what the, you know, stupid online thing that people were arguing about this week, that week was, but uh, <laughs> just, just, just remembering a, um, uh, a text from, from Michael Brooks from a couple of weeks before he died about how, uh, you know how sick he was of this they said i just i just want to be like a um i just want to be a benevolent like landlord who who reads books and plays tennis you know like that's mm. the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> relatable relatable and yeah don't I, we I, all yeah exactly you know it's like just just do yeah i mean i i don't know i mean like i i think you know like like i don't want to you know i don't want to bite the hand that feeds me by telling people to log off but also kind of log off yeah i mean like <laughs> it, like you don't need to always be logged on at the very least like uh just just take a minute to think and like go to the park or whatever and this is coming from a guy that's always got headphones on his head so maybe i'm not the best person to give yeah but you could but you could do like 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 there is a healthy life that you can have where you mm -hmm. may be like you know, you listen to, you know, you listen to this show mm -hmm. and red diaper babies and give them an argument, mm -hmm. but like, you know, maybe you, you know, maybe you like check in on Twitter once in a great while, but like, uh -huh. you know, that's not most of what you do, which is going to be better for you as a human being. And also it's, it's not just better for you as a human being. It's a necessary condition mm -hmm. for involvement in actual politics. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, uh, appreciate it, everybody. Uh, you can listen to Good Morning Comrade every Tuesday, WHIVLP New Orleans 102.3. You can listen online, uh, whivfm.org slash listen. Uh, get more information about our show at 
goodmorningcomrade.com. Uh, you can also, where can we find uh, Red Diaper Babies? rdbshow.com, coming back soon. Uh, yeah, we got a, a few apps uh, up there. I also did the Unpopular Front podcast, but that's that's on hiatus as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, being a childcare worker in COVID is crazy. So <laughs> it's insane right now. So I'm just um, I'm just trying to keep my head above water right now. Yeah, and, and where can we find uh, give me give them argument? YouTube.com slash. Uh, yeah, give them an argument. So yeah, so uh, you know, obviously, you can find it all the usual podcast places, and it's on uh, it's on YouTube. That's YouTube.com slash Ben Burgess GTAA. Or if you can't remember any of that, just BenBurgess.com, and you can get links to everything else there. All right. Well, thank you all so much. Love you, everybody. Bye. This is WHIV. This is WHIV LP tomorrow.